Hey everybody, it's Matt. I am in here with another breaking news drop. Apparently, the Broadway news gods don't care about our recording schedule because at 6.27 p.m. on Sunday evening, it was announced that the Broadway production of How to Dance in Ohio will close in just a few weeks at the Belasco Theater. The show will play a total of 99 performances before it closes up on Sunday, February 11th. That is 27 previews and 72 regular performances. The cast album is out now from our friends over at Center Stage Records. This means that as of now, the Blasco Theater will be vacant during the spring. So our hope that every single Broadway theater would be occupied at the same time will not happen unless something crazy does transpire here. But I, I did a little bit of checking before I recorded this, and there's nothing brewing that could potentially come in there as far as I know. We could see a show change theaters. I suppose this is a fairly desirable Schubert house, um, both in terms of geography and its size. It is just over uh, a little bit over 1,000 seats. So they could see something move, but that, of course, would leave another vacant theater from where it is coming from. So while I do think that something will take over the Barrymore, where Harmony was, I think that'll be Patriots. I don't know of anything, and I don't foresee anything taking over the Belasco where How to Dance in Ohio is. So if you have not had an opportunity to see this show, you've got about three-ish weeks to check it out. All right, that's all I've got for my little news blurb here. I will send it over to the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, January 22nd, 2024. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Ockham. Grace, you are standing outside to do this episode because you are a jet setter and have very popular and you are uh, very busy. So we're going to dive into the news. But I will just say over the weekend, my episode with Nick Fradiani hit both of the Patreon and regular feeds. I also will have a video in the show notes of Nick performing the stadium medley from the show. If you want to check out that video, also my episode with my nephew, Joey will be in Patreon as well. If it's not already out by the time you hear this, it will be out in the next little bit. I'd originally recorded this with him last week, but then I realized that the audio didn't work. So we had to re-record it on Sunday. So you will get both of those very shortly. So let's dive into the news though, Grace, and not a ton of news, but some pretty fun news actually. On Friday, the upcoming Broadway revival of Cabaret announced its full ensemble, and there were some pretty fun, familiar names, both from the world of Broadway and from other places, although with Broadway roots in there. In the show, playing Victor will be Marty Lauder, who, if you are a RuPaul's Drag Race fan, is known as Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Then also Gabby Campo is playing Frenchie, who has been in a ton of Broadway shows. One of our favorites, Mimi Scardula, is playing Texas. We'll have the complete list of the entire ensemble and the Kit Kat boys and girls in the show notes. Again, performance to start at the August Wilson Theater on April 1st. Um, Grace, they're really just kind of nailing it with some really tried and true great ensemble members who have been doing a ton of really great work for a long time. And it really fits, really seems like they they're fitting the vibe of this particular production. I fully agree. I appreciated seeing a lot of diversity, um, whether that's gender expression and or body inclusivity and or, you know, um, any it's just I, I was nervous that this was going to be similar to what I kind of expected out of like, a, you know, another production. But I'm I'm thrilled to say that this is 
a really great group of people and I cannot wait to hopefully see them. Um, but Mimi, um, I, I was curious what she was probably going to um, from A Beautiful Noise. So congrats to her. I cannot wait to see her do this choreography. Yeah, she had to leave A Beautiful Noise earlier because she got hurt and then her contract, like it was, it took longer to get back to, to work than she anticipated. And her contract ran out while she was on, out with an injury. And I, she was really upset about that. She posted on social media, but uh, glad that she is, as you often say, grace booked and blessed. Moving off Broadway, the second stage theater company announced that they would premiere a, a world premiere of a new play called Breaking the Story by Alexis Shear. Performances will begin off Broadway on May 15th, and it will be directed by Joe Bonney. Of course, Alexis Shear is the renowned playwright of Our Dear Dead Drug Lord, which premiered at second stage with WP Theater back in 2019. Breaking the Story centers on a foreign war correspondent named Marina after returning from a particular Particularly bloody conflict, she considers what a life of peace would look like and what it would take to move forward from the trauma she has witnessed. Of course, we will have more information on the creative team and the cast coming up shortly. All right, Grace, there doesn't there's not a ton of things happening in the theatrical world this week, but of course I do want to mention that we have our next Broadway opening coming up next Sunday on January 28th, and it is over at Studio 54 with Days of Wine and Roses. The show is currently scheduled to run through April 28th, so just after the Sunday after the Tony eligibility deadline. This is a new musical with a book by Craig Lucas and music and lyrics by Adam Gettle. It is directed by Michael Greif with choreography by Sergio Trujillo and Carla Puno Garcia. If you want to hear a little bit more about it, we don't get a ton into it, but... I did recently speak with Jamie Lawrence, who is the co-orchestrator uh, of that show. So you can check that out back in the feeds. The show premiered last year at the Atlantic Theater Company, and it just has a great cast led by Brian Darcy James and Kelly O'Hara. This is a show that, while the reviews were kind of kind of mixed off-Broadway, a lot of people said that this was some of, if not the best work of both Kelly and Brian's career. So if you are a fan of theirs, Knowing the content deals a lot with alcoholism and depression and stuff like that. If you think that that is something that's up your alley, seeing these two deliver stellar performances is always worth a trip. All right, we're going to take a break real quick to talk about our sponsor for today, BetterHelp. Coming into 2024, I knew that there were things that I wanted to change about my life but I also knew that there were things that I wanted to keep the same. When it comes to things like working out and going to the gym, I wanted to maintain what I did last year, maybe up it a little bit, but I also wanted to make sure that I'm focusing a little bit more on my nutrition as well. So rather than looking at 2024 as an opportunity to make resolutions that would completely change everything about my life, I looked at what I was doing well and tried to enhance and build off of that. For many people, Therapy is something that allows you to do something very similar to that. It lets you find, discover, and nourish what it is that you do well so that you can use those strengths to improve other aspects of your life that you find wanting. Therapy can be an incredibly positive learning experience to help you find coping skills, how to set boundaries. It also allows you to empower the best version of yourself, whatever that might be. And it looks different for me than it will for you or from anybody else. And of course, therapy is not just for people who have experienced major trauma, although it can be incredibly helpful for those people as well, but it allows you to work through issues large and small that are holding you back from living the life that you want. 
So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely done online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your very specific hectic schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched to a licensed therapist, and if it doesn't work out, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So, celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com Broadway today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Broadway. All right, Grace, on uh, on Friday, Playbill had a really, really interesting look ab- uh, about how the new Mean Girls movie musical was impacting the cast album for the original Broadway album. It's really kind of cool. So what they did was they got exclusive data from Spotify to see how they were the, the original cast album was was being impacted by the release of the movie. There were a lot of songs included here that have seen like more than 200% increases in their in their streaming numbers. But interestingly, the number one increase uh, was Fearless, which was a song that was cut from the from the film. It's all a 250% increase. Um, streams were also very high for Sexy, which is the Halloween song that Kate Rockwell sang originally. That was up 240%. Erica Henningsen's Stupid in Love was up 230%, as was Meet the Plastics, which was very much cut down. I'm sure you've seen this on social media, Grace, but a lot of people are comparing just the vibes of the soundtrack to the cast albums, thinking that the cast album is a little more upbeat, a little bit more energetic, not to mention maybe, you know, as it often is on Broadway, a little bit more expertly sung but i am happy that you know the exposure that mean girls which very well might be the biggest movie in the world for the second weekend in a row is giving a little bit more recognition to that uh, original cast album yeah it's funny because like either way the those streams are going to the exact same people that are benefiting from the film like it's not mm-hmm. going towards the, the people that you know are on that album but yeah i think it's funny i actually credit tiktok for this Lots of girly creators were doing side-by-side content comparisons um, by using the music from the Broadway show in comparison to the movie. So I don't think a lot of this was organically people just going back to the cast recording and listening. I think a lot of this was because people were talking about it online. And so the discourse was out there. And I think that that's really cool. Um, But I definitely know that that's what contributed to this. Yeah, it's been I'm not even on TikTok, but since I am old, I get really popular TikToks transferred over to Instagram reels where people just try to capitalize on the clout from TikTok things. Um, So I've seen a lot of those over on Instagram. I will note that Ashley Parks, What's Wrong With Me, also saw an increase of 220%. And I want to mention that specifically because Ashley Park put out a pretty harrowing social media message over the weekend where she, she informed people that over the holidays had gone to the Maldives for the holidays. And apparently what started with tonsillitis turned into critical septic shock. And she was in, and I'll just read this um, uh, according to her, she was in three foreign hospitals, a week in the ICU, a bunch of ERs, countless scans and tests and injections, excruciating pain and a ton of confusion. She does, she did say she is back to feeling better. I don't think she's 100%, but she says 
you know, she wasn't sure if she was going to get better. That you know, kind of they they weren't sure what the long term prognosis would be. But she says she does seem to be on the other side of this, and she credits uh, Paul Foreman, who is one of her co stars. Um, and I don't, they were on vacation together. I don't know what that means for their relationship beyond that. I don't really follow that, but it does seem like he was very important to kind of nursing her through this whole process. And I do know that they actually started filming the next season of Emily in Paris last week. I I know that Lily Collins had posted something about it. So uh, hopefully she gets back to work very soon. If you go over to, to Ashley's Instagram, like if you just see who like the top people that commented were, it's like star after star after star after star after star, like everyone from, you know, Kate Rockwell, as I mentioned a few minutes ago to Sarah Bareilles, who she works with on uh, Girls 5 Eva down to like, you know, obviously Lily Collins, but Mindy Kaling, Selena Gomez, Donatella Versace, Gemma Chan, um, Banana Republic, the actual brand Banana Republic <laughs> replied. So um, a lot of people are sending out great love to to Ashley and we we do the same hope that she feels better soon. Okay, Grace, this is not a recommendation that somebody can actually go out and do because the show closed on Sunday, but you finally had the chance to go over to the shed to see here we are, and I am dying to know your thoughts on that one. So I'll start with the fact that I loved it. Like, I literally loved it. And before anybody's like, well, then you don't have to start something. Or I, I don't know, maybe everyone else loved it too. Um, I tried to kind of like tune out the noise in terms of what I heard people, you know, love or dislike about it because I wanted to form my own opinion. Um, and I didn't want to kind of hinge it on like, oh, this was Sondheim's like last piece. I actually don't feel like it's Sondheim's last piece for a couple of reasons um, because I, he didn't get to finish it. And I think that the, the piece before this is, is Sondheim's last piece, like completely. Um, I don't think that this should count. I think it's something that he worked on. Um, but they, you know, the public sat on it for a while. And, you know, there's merit to the fact that, like, everyone wanted to make this happen and make it a thing. But I thought in terms of, like, surrealism and the existentialist of it all, it was really well executed, really well acted, really loved Rachel Bay Jones in this. Um, the whole cast was kind of like firing on all cylinders, but it was hilarious and beautiful. And I thought that it's exactly what we needed. So you talked about the surrealist nature of it and the absurdist nature of it. Did you get a point out of it? Because that was where I struggled. Like I like I understood it was surreal and it wasn't supposed to necessarily be taken literally. Um, yeah. But I didn't get the point. Like I didn't understand why it but, matters. But I think that's what well that that's what existential art is. That there is no point. Like that that's literally the point of most pieces like that is that there is no. I mean, if you want to if you want to say that there's a climax or a boom curtain or the point, it was that that monologue or that scene with Rachel Bay Jones and David Hyde Pierce. She goes to like the person who was supposed to be the direct channel to God of like, why are we here? Like, what are we doing? And every time they try to start and it's kind of, you know what? I'll get kind of heady for a second. Um, When we talk about, (laughs) when we talk about like what we're doing here on planet, right. Um, And everybody kind of goes about their day the same way. And you know, they're stopping and they're starting, they're stopping, they're starting. And then they go through this traumatic event. Let's say that it's 2020. Let's say it's those people in that room. They, they try to go back to their normal lives and they can't. And that's why they're trapped there. And so I think the point is that when we've gone through something, 
we can't just start back from square one. We actually have to start from a different oh, place. And no pun intended, because there, you, there yeah. you go, square one, different original title. Okay, all right. I yeah, it, to me, like I understand that when you're maybe doing film or something, you can be a little bit more avant-garde with that i i feel like when you're musicalizing something there needs to be a button on it somehow and i didn't get it but I, that's a very credible and realistic and noteworthy and and objectively relevant point that i think you you hit on grace anything else from this any of the performances any of the music any of the jokes anything else that you wanted to call out no I I know, but I do want to share this. So I had, I won the Today Chicks lottery to get to see this. I had two seats. I was not aware that if you did not show up at a certain time, they gave away your pair of seats together and that then you got single tickets that were nowhere near each other. Was oh, not no. aware of that. I got there and then me and my partner were like four seats apart on the same row. Okay, fine. So we have to, we go up there and I was like, we'll figure it out or we don't sit together. I go up there. It is third row center. It is the most perfect seat I have ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> Cause I'd never been to the shed. Uh, they yeah. sit down the seat. Um, the seat that my partner goes to is next to Chris Catelli who worked with them in dogfight. I'm yeah. sitting at the end of the row. He looks over and he goes, no, 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 Grace, you come here. You, we'll switch. Chris Catelli gave up his center third row seat so I could sit with F and then he sat on the aisle. So shout out to Chris Catelli. And then as we're switching seats, Justin Paul walks up and I was like, is this a dog fight reunion? I was unaware of thanks Joe <laughs> Mantello. So um, I just thought it was really funny and really sweet. And he's the most wonderful person. We talk about him all the time on Broadway radio, obviously, but um, yeah, so that was kind of my night. And then Susan Sarandon, I saw in the crowd as well. I don't know if she understood it. I was like, ma'am, this might be about you. Um, but I think, that, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was great. And I think that Jeremy Shomos, I just want to call out is having one of the greatest years this year. Um, I think with mm -hmm. the Gilded Age, with this show, with Only Murders, he's an actor that I think Gutenberg. we've often, Gutenberg, like, I hope that he is reveling in his incredible success right now because he was outstanding and I really, really enjoyed his performance. There was another familiar faced redheaded woman in the audience as well, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, Ashley Steves was there of the Broadway radio fam. <laughs> and I saw her for like two seconds and then I was so overwhelmed by everything else. I didn't get to see her afterward. Um, but yeah, also Santino Fantana, like everybody was fitting this in this week because they knew that the show was closing. So um, yeah. I'm glad that we're going to have a recording. I don't know if the show will ever be done again. It might be done regionally, um, yeah, but it was it was a blast. And I'm so honored by the fact that people took a chance to make this happen. Granted, Sondheim's not nobody. You know, David Ives is not nobody. But um, the fact that they got this group together and Joe Mantello's just, you know, he's the best. So great, great yeah. job. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me on Instagram at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. 